Uh, we've been in a teaching series kind of uh, uh, built around a book by Michael Frost called Surprise the World. Uh, the book, we have them actually in the lobby. They're five bucks. If you, we've got a couple left. Any of you dive into this book? Have any of you been checking it out? Is it worth it? I, I get this reaction all the time, like I'll recommend a book or something like that, and, and then I'll hear just crickets. I'll hear nothing. But actually, a few people have been like, you know that book you recommended like those others we never, ever, ever read? This one's actually good. Um, so I encourage you, man, pick one up, check it out. It's all about uh, uh, answering uh, Peter's question in, in 1 Peter 3 about living questionable lives, of, of uh, being able to give an answer. If someone asks us about our life, about the hope that we have, like, and it, it assumes that we're living in a way that, that's, that's worthy of questions, that we're, we're living such Christ-like lives that, that people are looking and going, man, that's different, that's curious, I'm I want to know more about that. And so the part of the process is uh, just changing some of our habits. And uh, he, he advocates five habits in this book that he encourages every Christian to, to practice on a regular basis. And they're, they're pretty easy. The first habit is to bless three people a week. Uh, we just want you to get out there and bless. And in our teaching a few weeks ago, we talked about the power of blessing and, and what that could mean and what that would look like. Just, just on purpose, not like one of our teenagers said, well, I bless people all the time just by being me. I'm like, no. But like, like on purpose, like, like are you consciously looking for opportunities to bless and, and, and paying attention to those? And remember the real, the, the real earmark of knowing that, that you're blessing others is that they actually feel blessed. And when you begin to do this, like blessings start to kind of ricochet around, like they start to bounce around you in all different kind of ways. Are you experiencing some of this? Are you seeing some of this? No. Awesome. Love the power of God's word just coming alive here in our church. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the second habit is not only do we want you to bless three people a week, we want you to eat with three people a week. Uh, it, it's as simple as that. It's not a eat and give them the five steps of salvation. It's not a eat and recite to them the entire book of uh, Revelation. It, it's not that. It's just about contact, about being face-to-face with people. And, and even in our super connected, hyper-connected world, we lack real, meaningful FaceTime with others. Uh, too, too often we see others, we, we talked about it with the teenagers this morning, we, we have a tendency to kind of devalue other people while, while looking at ourselves as incredibly valuable. Uh, this happens in all kinds of ways when someone cuts you off in traffic, right? What do you feel inside? Or someone makes you late, it's this sense that our life, that, that we're valuable, but others are somehow less valuable. And when we spend time across a table with each other, we're reminded of a shared humanity, like, like it does something to us. And then we talked about the power of Jesus using the table, the, the simple, sacred thing of the Son of Man came eating and drinking, uh, even how he, he kind of introduced this whole kingdom idea, like the way it's going to happen and the way it's going to work is not going to be in big cathedrals or amphitheaters or buildings but around tables, genuinely, with our neighbors. So we want you to bless three people a week. We're we're asking you to to step into this, and maybe it feels uncomfortable for some of you. Uh, I use people all the time, so this is easy. I can knock this off. But some of you are uncomfortable doing this, and so we're asking you, man, just step into that. If you are uncomfortable, do it with somebody else you know. And there's been some of that already. Have you seen people like taking credit? No, I get credit. One, two, three, this is my meal. 
I did it this week. We've, we've seen some of that too. That's, that's okay. We give lots of credit. Some people have even said, well, we take communion every week. Does that count? Well, okay, yeah. If you want that to count, that counts. Like, I'll give you credit. It's, it's not supposed to be a rigid thing, but just a habit that we're encouraging. Are you spending time face-to-face with people on purpose? Who's someone in this space that you could invite to a meal? It could happen today. It's gonna, you're going to have a barbecue grow, going somewhere, right? Just to spend time together is powerful. Last week, we talked about the third habit, which is just to develop one period of time of week of listening to the Holy Spirit. Man, the most forgotten part of, of our Christianity, I think, is hap- it, that, that's happening today is, man, we've left the Holy Spirit out. It's confusing and it's mysterious. And we don't know how it works. So let's just focus on stuff we can control and so we said, man, what if you just open Scripture? What if you spent a little bit of time, like maybe start with Scripture, read there, and then see if God has word to speak to you? And I believe that. I believe that God wants to speak into each and every one of your lives. And we, we're reshaping some of our discipleship groups, even around a question of how is God speaking to you through his word? That question assumes a lot. It assumes there is a God and that he is talking. And he wants to speak to you. And there's actually something for you to do. So bless, eat, and listen. And as we talk about today's habit of learning, uh, I I just want to ask, what's your favorite movie? You guys have a favorite movie? That's a real question, not, not one of those preacher questions where I don't expect you to answer. Like, favorite movie, toss it out. What is it? All I heard was Wamahama. Uh, sorry. It's a Wonderful Life. Never even heard of it. Just, just kidding. A Wonderful Life. What else? Favorite movie? Gone with the Wind. Okay. Forrest Gump. All right. Great choice. Avengers. Sound of Music. Is that what you said? What else? Tombstone. All right. I was going to say any, uh, I think my favorite movie is Patton with George C. Scott. My wife can't stand it, and I love it. Like, that's one I could just watch again and again and again. So if, if we spent some time talking about movies, could you tell me uh, uh, what are the actors in your favorite movie? Could you even, if we sat around and we kind of got together, uh, could, you, uh, could you quote some of the lines? Could we even have a game like where we just started quoting different lines, and would you be able to name the, name the movies from the lines we quoted? You think you could? Um, what if we talked about sports? Who's your team? Who's your favorite team? Go ahead, shout it out. Let's hear it. Packers, UT. I heard Ole Miss over here. I know that hurts their feelings so much that I just said that. Um, if, we, uh, <laughs> if we talked about teams... We just spent some time talking about teams. We would debate all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, uh, I know at least partially in question would be the dominance of the SEC, right? That would be in question by, by some of you. Uh, we could talk about professional players' salaries. We could talk about 
coaches that, that we love and coaches that we despise. Uh, I, I wish Colin was in here. He's working with our kids. Colin and I could be the only two in the room that could talk about soccer and how awesome soccer is and how it's the best sport in the whole world, the most watched sport, and the rest of you would be asleep. Okay, Dean wants to talk about soccer too. Okay, there's three of us in America uh, that like soccer, but we could, have a, we could have a conversation that keeps going and going and going, right? How many of you are already counting down the days to college football? I see it happening all the time. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready, and every one of us think, this is going to be our year. All right, so let's get, a, let's get even a little more dramatic. What if we talked about politics? <laughs> We're not supposed to, and this is a holy place. Um, who are you going to vote for? Everyone's like, I lo- I'm friends with everyone right now. I'm going to just plug my ears. Yeah, we're riding in, undecided. Uh, um, libertarian, okay. Um, would you have something to say, like, like if if I said, all right, we're just going to talk about politics. We're we're going to talk. Let's talk about the election. Would you have something to offer to that conversation? Would you Would you be drawn in pretty easily with stats and figures and examples? Would you? Would you want to tell stories and different things about different candidates? Your, uh, would you be able to talk about your most favorite candidate and your least favorite candidate? And, and how long would we be here? Yeah, I mean, we could figure it out in like 10 or 15 minutes, right? But no, it'd be an engaging conversation and like blood pressures would go up and down as we talked about economy and immigration and all of these different things. Finally, what, uh, what would happen if I said, today we're just going to talk about Jesus? If I, if I just asked the question, who is Jesus? Can you tell me about him? Would you have something to say? Maybe you would quote a few scriptures. Maybe we would hear some different names of God. You might say things like mercy or, or, or compassion But what would the spirit of our conversation be? What kind of tone would our conversation take on? Would we be able to speak of him with the same familiarity as we speak of our of our favorite movie? Would we be able to speak of Jesus with the same kind of passion and devotion as we have for our favorite sports teams? Would we be able to speak of Jesus with the same ferocity, the same commitment as to our political uh, agendas or candidates? Or would it be a conversation that kind of ignites and kind of gets going and then quickly dies out? Which would last longer, a conversation about Jesus or a conversation about our favorite sports teams? In his, uh, in his book, Frost makes this statement. He says, My concern is that many Christians seem to have developed merely a passing knowledge of the Gospels. And, and what he means by Gospels is the greatest hits of Jesus, because that's what they are. 
So my concern is that many Christians seem to have developed a merely passing knowledge. If you read the book, you'll see he gives the example of uh, uh, speaking to a group uh, of Christian surfers. There's this organization. In fact, in Pensacola, we used to go. Uh, it, it was great. You had ch- a church on the beach. Uh, they're surfers who are Christians. They get together, they have a service, and then they go surfing together. And so uh, Frost was speaking at kind of the big head international meeting of Christian surfers, and he just asked them, he said, who is the greatest surfer in the world? And the room erupts, right? Because everyone has the surfer that they love and admire the most. But, but then all the conversation ends up landing on one person named Kelly Slater. He, he's the youngest and oldest winner of the national surfing, international surfing competitions. He's been in the business forever. The conversation would, he would say, okay, well, tell me about Kelly Slater. And he, the, the crowd could tell you everything about him, where he was born, where he lived, where he lives now, what supermodel he's dating, right? And then he asked this group of Christian surfers, now tell me about Jesus. And there was a few scattered comments, but the whole tone of the room seemed to die down. And Frost says, my concern is that many Christians seem to have developed merely a passing knowledge of Jesus. Jesus is strangely missing from our workplaces, strangely absent from our kitchen tables, from our conversations, from our lives. And yet C.S. Lewis would say, this is the reason the church exists. Go ahead, put that quote up there. C.S. Lewis said, in the same way, the church exists for nothing else, like we exist for nothing else, but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christ. And if they're not doing that, all the cathedrals and clergy and missions and sermons, hey, even the Bible itself are simply, what's he say? God became man for no other reason. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose than to draw people to Christ, to make them little Christ. The word Christian, even that that term, was not a term that followers of Jesus gave to themselves Uh, uh, But unbelievers and Gentiles, people outside of the faith, looked at the way followers of Jesus were acting and unbelievers gave to those who were attempting to live like Christ the designation, the name Christian, which literally means (laughs) Christ-likey. I know that's good grammar, but that's what it means. They recognized these people as living like Christ. I wonder if we didn't claim the name or the title Christian for ourselves, if our friends and neighbors and co-workers would still identify us by it. Do they see our effort, our intention to be a Christ like you.
do they see us as little Christ? Would they see Christ in us? And if we are to live Christ-like lives, then it is clear that we must have more than a merely passing knowledge of Jesus. We must again become students of him and his life. Do you guys remember in the Gospels when the angel appears to Joseph? He tells Joseph not to break off his engagement with the now pregnant Mary. The angel tells Joseph, you will have a son and you will name him. What's the name? That's not a trick question. Jesus. You will name him Jesus. What does Jesus mean? You guys know? What is the name of Jesus? What does it mean? It's a Greek form of, of a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is Yeshua or Joshua. And it means the Lord saves. Do you remember what the Virgin Mary did when she found out she was pregnant? Do you remember? When she found out she was pregnant with Jesus, do you remember what she did? She sang a song. For the mighty one is holy and he's done a great thing for me. What happened when Jesus was baptized? Do you guys remember? The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descends on Jesus. And Charlton Heston spoke from heaven. <laughs> and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But do you know that Charlton Heston speaks again later in Luke chapter 9? Peter, James, and John are on a mountain praying with Jesus. And Jesus is transformed into dazzling light, is what it says. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appear with him. And Charlton Heston, that's what it says in Scripture, from heaven again says, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Do you know that in Scripture it says, even people the disciples didn't know or recognize were able to cast out demons just by using the name of Jesus. And the disciples tell Jesus, man, we tried to make these people stop. And Jesus' response was, why? In addition to the 12, do you, do you know that Jesus invited others to come and follow me. At one point, he sends out at least 72. And what do they report when they come back? They say, you know, when we use your name, we're able to cast out demons. Jesus has so much to say about wealth and money and possessions. Maybe the only thing he talks about more is the kingdom of God. Jesus uses a couple of different parables and metaphors to describe what his return will be like, look like, feel like. Do you remember what they are? Sometimes people tell me, well, Jesus wasn't political. And I respond, well, how do you know? Have you read that somewhere? Is, is, is that just your, your hope that Jesus is not political? Or is it actually based on what you see and know about his life? What did Jesus have to say about politics? What would you say? Would that be a good thing to know, do you think, in an election year? 
Who is Jesus talking to when he told the parable of the barren fig tree? Why did he warn us about division? And why speak so harshly towards the religious leaders of the day while at the same time allowing little kids to come to him? Why don't we know more about his childhood? Who, who was his family, his, his brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and, and cousins? What were the occasions that caused Jesus to cry and to grieve? What did he mean when he said, what this world honors is detestable in the sight of God? Or when he said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let uh, your life go, you will save it. Why did he teach in parables? Why did Peter deny Jesus? And, and what did Jesus say to him when they saw each other after the resurrection? Do you remember? What are the prophecies about Jesus from the Old Testament? Who was with Jesus as he is taken up into heaven? Do you remember this scene when Jesus ascends into heaven? What did they feel at that moment? Scripture says they felt great joy and they spent all their time praising God. How many times does Jesus pray in the Gospels? Who does he pray for? Do you feel like we should know these prayers? I love what Paul says in Colossians in chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. We think maybe that this was a hymn from the early church. See if you can get their emphasis on Christ Jesus. Paul says, Christ is the, invisible image of the, uh, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. That word supreme is, uh, it's, it's an okay translation, maybe not the best. It, it's, it really means prototype over all creation. It was, he was the first one. There, there was none before him. He, w- he was the real deal, the firstborn, the eldest, first to pave the way. He was the point man. He was the one that every generation after was supposed to look like. See how that works? He existed before anything was created and is the prototype of all, over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. For example, thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Jesus He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Think about that. Like, he created it all through himself, and it all exists for him, and he somehow holds it all together. Christ is also the head of us, the church, which is his body. He is the beginning. There's that word supreme, the prototype over all who will rise, who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Jesus. God, in all his fullness, is in Jesus. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Through Jesus, God made it right. That's what that says. Every wrong, every sin, every, every mistake, every mishap, every, every, every wrong... 
God made right through Jesus Christ. He, he reconciled everything and everyone to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. And by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Later, the theme of the book of Colossians, of Paul's whole writing, is this. Christ in you. The entire purpose of, of Matthew's book, if not all the Gospels, is to answer one fundamental question. Who is Jesus? Even Jesus, in his own Gospels, repeatedly asked the people, who do you say that I am? And that question is directed at us. I wonder, do we know him? What's your curiosity level about Jesus? How he lived, what he had to say. I think even if I didn't believe in him, I would want to know more. I like a John Stackhouse makes this distinction about Jesus. You know, he says, you know, really the question is not what did Jesus say. The question is really not even uh, what the bracelet said forever ago, WWJD. The question is not what would Jesus say or what would Jesus do. The, the real question is what would Jesus want me or us to think, to be, to do here and now? What would Jesus want us to think? What would Jesus want us to do here and now? What would Jesus want us to do related to immigration or economics or politics or war, indebtedness, marriage? What would Jesus want us to do in relation to life itself, the essence of life? After all, he said, I came so that you may have life and have it to the full. Our teaching today isn't so much to teach you about Jesus, but to somehow spark in us again a curiosity to seek him out, to learn more about him. It's been a while now, but it wasn't too long ago that I gave a teaching about uh, the woman caught in the act of adultery. You guys remember this story? And Jesus is right in the middle of this story. A woman is thrown before him. She's caught in this atrocious act. The, the men who caught her are picking up stones. It's all a test of Jesus. They're ready to stone her, to kill her, to put her to death. Her punishment is death. And they kind of throw her before Jesus in a, in a kind of what say ye kind of way. And remember how Jesus responds. He says, well, he who is without sin go ahead and throw the first stone. And his words cut to their hearts. You're like, oh, man. And you see them slowly drop stones and turn and walk away. But there is one left, one who is without sin, who has every right to pick up the stone and punish the woman, right? Jesus. And yet, what does he do? tells the woman, go and sin no more. He shows her mercy and forgiveness in the most like incredible, passionate way ever. I taught this story a while back, and 
As I was speaking with people after it, I had a woman come up to me and say, man, I love that story. That story was so amazing. It spoke so much to my heart. I've, I've experienced some of that same stuff in my own life. I never heard it before. My friends um, at Ethos Church, we do a lot with them. Uh, my, my friend Dave Clayton, he, he told me, he said, they're going to spend a whole year in one gospel. They're going to spend 52 Sundays just in one gospel, in the gospel of Luke. And I said, you're crazy. You have lost your mind. There's no way you can keep people's attention. We're 280 HD. If I can keep people's attention for a six-week series, I'm, I'm doing great. You're going to spend a whole year studying about Jesus. And I made fun of them at first, but now it's occurring to me. Maybe we need to do some of that ourselves. And I teach through a gospel every year. Maybe we need to pour more time into the person of Jesus. What about Jesus do you really admire? What teaching of Jesus really sticks with you, sticks to your ribs? Do you have some favorite words that, that you kind of cling to and hold on to? When was the last time you were really excited about Jesus? We just sang songs, I want to know you. Is that true? Are you living that example out? When was the last time you were really excited about Jesus? When was the last time you, you, you expressed some of that excitement with your kids or with your family? When was the last time, you know, maybe the most important thing is not what you know about Jesus, but what Jesus has done in your life, like personally. Like, what has Jesus done for you? Like, are you able to express that in, in a place where you can share it? Does the name of Jesus still stir something inside us? God, are we alive? Is he alive in us? I don't want you to just know about him. I want you to be in love with him. So, our habit, I don't just expect you to fall in love. I don't expect you just to immediately know. I mean, it starts with habits, I think. So the habit for this week and continuing weeks is I want you to spend at least one period of time this week learning Christ. Jesus is perhaps the most... Uh, talked about, written about, publicized, controversial figure in history, arguably, right? Seek him out. Uh, I encourage you to, to dive into art. I'd love to dig into Christian art. If you, it's, it's kind of scary, but if you Google images of Jesus, you're going to get like pages and pages and pages and pages. And each one is a different interpretation about who he is. Even the pictures and paintings we have of Jesus in this building tell us different things about him. They're, they're there to arouse curiosity in you. So I invite you to, to 
pursue Jesus in art and to pursue him in music and in movies. Every year there's a new movie that comes out about the life of Christ and it's a different idea of what people think he is and what it was like. Explore them, dig into them. There are mountains of books written about the person, Jesus Christ. I want you to dig into those things. I want you to dive into them. I want you to become a connoisseur of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? But mostly, I want you to spend more time in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Christians are always asking me for, for a new study a new book. Can we, what's a new book we could do? Is there a new study we could do? I'm like, you're not going to read it anyway, but here's some. Here's a list of seven. I'm going to revise all my lists. So if I've given you a book or a study to do, not that they're bad and not that they're wrong, and, and sorry if I give that impression, but <clears throat> I'm revising my answer. If you're looking for a book to study, start with Matthew. And then go to Mark and then Luke, and then John. And, and this is a little bit dangerous territory because I think this whole book is God-breathed, God-inspired. I think Jesus is on every single page of this. I, I think when we study Nehemiah, we're going to be talking about Jesus. I, I really do. So I don't want to discount the value of the corpus of God's Word because Jesus is there beginning, middle, end. It's, it's the whole story. But I want you to start paying some special attention to the red letter parts, okay? The actual words and life of Jesus. We're going to come connoisseurs of him. Let's really, let's, let's really dig into his life, his greatest hits, the Gospels. I want you to commit to one time of intensive study of the person and work of Jesus Christ each and every week. Now, I'm not telling you to stop the other Bible studies or the other stuff you're doing. I think that's great. I think it needs to be broader than this. But, but at least once a week, once a week, spend some time listening to God's Spirit. Once a week, spend some time really focusing on the person of Jesus Christ. Read and then reread and then reread again the Gospels. Maybe read verse by verse. That's great. Maybe spend a whole year reading one gospel thoroughly, compactly in, in everything you can find about it. That's great. But also read the gospels in one sitting. I know what you're thinking. That's going to take forever. How long is a movie? Every single one of the gospels could be read in about two or two and a half hours. At most, even Mark is only about an hour and a half. If you sat down and read from beginning to end, and what you're going to see happen is that all of these things that we kind of examine piecemeal a bit at a time, they all fit together. And you're going to learn so much more stuff is going to rise off the page as you see how themes and verses and ideas all are fit together by different authors, all expressing to us a different emotion, a different passion, a different love of the person of Jesus Christ. And I challenge you to do it with others. Don't do this in isolation. Some people have said, well, I don't, know how, I don't know what I feel about a disciple group, and I don't know where to begin, and I don't know how I feel like that. And so I just started asking guys, hey, would you all like to sit down and talk about Jesus? You know what they said? Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that hard. 
You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a theologian to sit down and open God's word and just discover Jesus again. So in just a few moments, we're going to go enter into this sacred, ancient, ritual tradition that Jesus started forever and ever and ever ago. Even today, we're doing something that he did and invited us to do. Do you know all about that and what that means? It's, it's a time of Eucharist, a time of celebration, a time of communion. We'll remember his body, his blood, broken and poured out for us. We're going to enter into this time of communion. In just a minute, I'm going to pray and invite you to, to these tables to share Christ to remember him, this do in remembrance of me. To remember who he is. Maybe turn to Colossians chapter 1. Read that Christ poem again. Man, Paul knocks it out of the park with that. This week, make Jesus again a part of your study. May your conversations be filled with conversations. Make Jesus part of your habits. Make Jesus a part of your life. How are we to follow him? How are we to share him? If we don't know him, a merely passing knowledge of Jesus is not enough. It is time for us, the church, the body of Christ, to again be immersed in the Gospels, marinated in the work and words of Jesus Christ. It is time for us to once again experience the full awe, wonder, and delight that comes from spending time in the presence of Jesus Christ. Why don't you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. But mostly, God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Man, God, forgive us. Forgive, forgive us. We, we repent of all the conversations we've had where the name of your son Jesus, the, the name of Jesus has been absent. We repent of all the attitudes we've taken where Jesus has been absent. We, we, we repent of our just kind of lackadaisicalness about pursuing your son. Father God, we repent of all the times that we've been fans of Jesus more than followers. So, Father God, as we repent, we know that we're forgiven. <laughs> That's one of the awesome things about your son and what he does. So, Father God, let us step into the forgiveness we've received through him, from him. Let us not live in guilt or shame of, well, I could have, would have, should have. That's not what this is about. But, Father God, let us engage again, engage in us that, that curiosity to know your son, Jesus Christ, on a real way, in an intimate way. And uh, let us soak in his words. Let us always be intrigued and uh, have that, that sense of newness every time we, we, even stories we hear again and again and again, Father God, how you bring through your spirit new life and reveal new things to us. Father God, let us lean deeply into your son, Jesus Christ. Let us pursue him. Let this place be known as a place that is about Christ and in the business of producing little Christ, not in a, in a just kind of a, a, an educational way, but in a way that, that inspires passion. Father God, I pray for our kids right now in our children's ministry. I don't want them just to know Christ. I want them to fall deeply, madly, head over heels in Christ. I want them to love Jesus to be able to speak of him with passion and enthusiasm, with intrigue and mystery, with conviction. Father God, help us to know your son more. 
We dedicate right now a section of our week to pursuing Jesus, to learning more about him. Let that habit stick in a heavy, heavy kind of way. We love you, Father. We remember your son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice for us. And it's in his name, the name of Jesus, that everyone together says, Amen.